this week on the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, why you shouldn't buy ramen noodles out of the back of a truck. We play a new game, Celebrity Baby Name, or it ain't. And we have Steve Doherty, the author of Ex- Experiments and Honesty. All that and more on this week's episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Busted Knuckles studio right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. I'll be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this flaky biscuit that's right, I am talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one. 2016's honorable mention Weed Whacker Champion of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old Mike number one. It's Mojo! What's up, everyone? What up? Hey, thanks for t- tuning back into the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Please go to our Facebook page at Southern Fried Philosophy. You can also find us at southernfriedphilosophy.com on the old interwebs, Twitter and Instagram, SFP Radio. You can also go to Google, iPl- or, excuse me, go- Google, iTunes, Stitcher. You can also subscribe there at Southern Fried Philosophy. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a review. Give us a like. Share your favorite episodes. Whatever you like to do. You can also follow us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash SFP radio. You can also, if you want to give a buck, two bucks, five bucks, cup of coffee, something, high five. A two buck chuck. I'm good. That <laughs> That's too. right. Go to patreon.com forward slash SFP Radio. I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week, Mojo, how you be darn? You know, buddy, I was having a good week. Uh-oh. It's still August. It's 91 degrees. Mm. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm not much for the extreme heat, which mm. 91 is not that bad, Mm-mm. but it's much better than the winter, in my personal opinion. Okay. Because you get to ride a motorcycle year-round. <laughs> That's true. But I'll tell you what burns my biscuits. What's that? Pumpkin spice. Here it comes. It's like... It's like the day, it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> all the stores open up after you mm-hmm. open your Christmas gifts. All the Here children comes. all the children have the paper sparsed on the floor. Mm. And guess what? There's, the there's, a, there's a store that's already open on Christmas morning that has Valentine's sitting out. Wait, what? Yeah. And all of a sudden now, we're not even in fall season. Oh, I see what you're, I see where you're going. Fall se- it's not even fall season yet. And we're it's all 91 degrees 91 outside, In North Carolina, okay? The leaves haven't even turned brown Mm-mm. yet. Girls are already breaking out their Uggs. <laughs> yoga pants. Are put away. They're putting on their jeans. Their sweatshirts. Yeah. And Y'all. pumpkin spice has already made its debut. Y'all. I, I don't know if I even want to be part of this, this country anymore. Yeah. How is this MAGA? I don't understand. How is this making America great again? No. Cut the crap. That's what I yeah. want to say. This Y'all. is this is this is hurt my feelings. Yeah, I'm a little no, I hurt. <laughs> Ouch. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. Right, so I, I, how you be doing, buddy? Um, hey, buddy. Can I tell you? Uh, I tried this week to save a buck. You know, I, I was like, hey, we need a new dishwasher in our. Let me back up. I wanted a new dishwasher at the house. Right, right. The one that we had came with the house. I'm pretty confident that they switched it off right before we we bought it. Mm -hmm. And this this sucker, I mean, 
if you look at dishwasher decibels, um, it, the normal range is like 40 to 60. I'm pretty confident like ours is like 150. Like, I mean, right. it's, it's insane how loud it is. But uh, so I decided I'm going to go the cheap route and I'm going to find one on Craigslist. Well, I find one, the normal retail price, $999. Oh. Whoa. So I was like, all right, let me jump on that. So I, I emailed the dude, hey, is it still available? Because, you know, you got to do the, hey, sure. is it still available? Because people undoubtedly cannot take a post Yeah, the, it's credit. hard to yeah hard to yeah. write that delete button. So, yes, it is. My dad and I go pick it up. Also, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, this would be a nice little father-son bonding <laughs> moment that we have together where we can, you know, fix stuff up and put stuff in and all that kind of jazz. Right. Um, and then so we get up there, and he said, by the way, Every once in a while, an error code comes up, and you gotta, you know, take it out, flip it upside down, fix it, and you know, turn it right side up, and then it's fine. It works normal. Okay. So in my head, I'm thinking, for this, for this dishwasher, he's charging fifty dollars. I'm like, okay, I'll take the fifty dollars. You know, I'll install it. I'll have somebody come out and put, you know, fix it or repair it or whatever. Right. And then, you know, I've got a thousand dollar dishwasher that I paid. Maybe 500 bucks. Sure. So then comes the task of trying to install it. Um, we live in, again, a hundred and something year old house. So <laughs> nothing's normal. We pull out the old dishwasher and there is a plethora of wood blocks uh-huh. and, and dust and things that's just unmentionable. I think I saw a dead cat back there. <laughs> you, know, you just, you, I don't know. Um, so we finally, it, no lie, it took about an hour to get the old one out. Then we're like, okay, took a break. Let's put the new one in. So we get the new one in too too wide. Oh, jeez. Too wide. Can't you can't have nothing. So then we thought, well, hey, you know what would be smart is if we this got, there's a hose on the side of it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, let's take the hose off, wrap it around the back, and then shove it in. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you guys, anytime you got to shove appliances in where it's 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 try, you're trying to make it work, yeah, probably not a good idea. Don't work. So we we shove that sucker in, turn it on the water. There's a little drip. I'm like, okay, like I know that that we're not going to keep it like that, but there's a little drip to it. Um, so the next day, because we we had to you know change the day, we had to take a nap and then get up oh, sure, and do sure. that. Um, because my dad said this should take about two hours. We're rolling on about four right now. Uh, so we had to stop, start the next day. We started. This time we turned the water on, turn on the thing, and we, we pulled it out just a little bit. Water is now going everywhere. Right. Instantly. We had to shut that sucker off. Sure. And realize I can't buy a part for this thing whatsoever. So long story short, we're six hours into this thing. I've got a busted dishwasher, and my wife is coming home the next day. She, she's been out of town. Mm-hmm. She's coming home like, i got to fix this thing, or else I'm going to get put in the doghouse, right? Um, so what do I do? Uh, I call Plaza Appliance <laughs> and say, hey, by the way, I need a new dishwasher, and I need it tomorrow when right. you do it. So I'm out. We had a perfectly good dishwasher. We didn't want to put the old one in because we're going to get a new one anyway. Had to, had to call to get a new one um, put in. Can I tell you, here's what burns my biscuit. So this whole story that's now like five minutes long, um, they came to the house at three o'clock. They left my house with a new installed dishwasher. You want to give an over under on time? 15 minutes. (laughs) 
they were out in 25 minutes oh, and that sh- and that took like five minutes to show me how to actually use the dishwasher yeah, yeah. two guys burp, burp, in and out and i was like you've got to be kidding me so now me trying to save a buck cost you a few cost more. me way more than that almost meanwhile much the other guy would. who sold it to you for 50 bucks is probably at a steakhouse with us oh yeah significant other eating yeah. steak yeah i was thinking hey i can replace a part you know it's not yeah. that hard whatever sure. but then you got a busted hose and that led led to a whole bunch of different oh, yeah. things i was like well it's more of the story sometimes a deal is not really a deal you're right about that so let's um we'll just move past that <laughs> that just really frustrated the fire out of me this week. i'm sure so, there's one thing after another. You can't have nothing. Uh, you think you can have something, but you can't have nothing. Um, so that's the moral of the story on that. All right, so we are going to go into some wacky news. All right, so this is courtesy of Fox News. Uh, Georgia thieves escape with nearly $100,000 worth of ramen noodles. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> That's got to be a lot of ramen noodles. Thieves in Georgia must have been craving a savory snack as they made off with nearly $100,000 worth of ramen noodles. Like... That's All right, a so lot that's so. How ramen much noodles. is ramen noodles now? Like fifty nine cent a pack or maybe, something? Maybe, maybe, maybe that a hundred thousand dollars, dude. That's a lot. That's a lot of ramen noodles. <laughs> that's the, like the That's like the. It's like the state of Rhode Island. <laughs> the thieves who have not been located, which, by the way, I can tell you, probably will be in the hospital after having a sodium overdose. <laughs> um, took the packages of noodles between July 25th and August 1st, which, by the way, that's a long time to realize mm, those ramen noodles were stolen. Yeah, They were located inside a 53-foot trailer parked at a Chevron stop. Uh, the owner of the trailer said he was given permission to park the trailer there and locked it up, and when he came back, it was gone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a 53-foot trailer, and then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, well, I think we'll just pick this up and go. That's a – what a planned caper, you know, to, to do pull this <laughs> well, off with. Maybe. You know? But what if somebody's like, hey, there's just an empty yeah. truck. We're going to steal it. And then and then you open up the back of it, and it's Put just out. ramen noodles. <laughs> they're thinking, hey, we might be getting away with some, you know – Cell phones might be in there. There may be... Side note, in college, I used to like to take the chicken and mushroom flavor. Mm-hmm. Padow. Mix it together. Okay. So you're making a combo of the Yeah, ramen. and then sometimes I'd be like chicken and shrimp. That'd be like, you know, cause that way you're like going to the Japanese steakhouse and getting the shrimp-chicken combo. <laughs> but really, it was only for like a dollar. <laughs> did you enjoy that? I did. Lot? We used yeah. to have ramen noodle parties. Really? Mm-hmm. People bring a pack of ramen noodle and whatever ingredient they want to throw in. Dude, I had one pack of ramen one time, and it was just, it was so salty, I couldn't eat it. Was I doing something wrong? Probably not. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it basically, it, ramen noodles, the purpose of that is preserving young mm. college kids until they could afford, yeah. uh, you know, uh, more sustainable food. But I lived off of that and, and uh, Kool-Aid packets. Really? Yeah. Mm. I've had one. Um, well. Let me consider also yourself fortunate. Let me be clear that I uh, lived at home for junior college, and right. then I lived with my grandma for Which junior and senior year. Obviously, would have been anybody would love to live with your grandmother, right? Because I mean, that's 
partly how I got yeah, paid I mean, bigger. I, I had no meal plan at school, so uh, <laughs> it was forty three hundred bucks for the year for meal plan. Oh man! Which I don't know what they were serving for forty three hundred bucks, but yeah. it was obviously nothing worth paying for. If you would have stole a foot fifty three foot trailer of ramen, right. hey, but buddy. I could go. To, I could go. To, I had a Sam's Club membership that my dad let me latch on to. Oh yeah, and you can go buy like three or four. Big big packs <laughs> of ramen noodles. I mean, you sure. spend like ten bucks. Yeah. So fifty three foot. I don't know who's worse. The guy now. Now he's trying to figure out how he's going to unload fifty three or a hundred thousand dollars worth of ramen. Well, and what was he doing? Is he like trying to capture the black market on ramen noodles at the <laughs> flea market? I mean, honestly, what were you trying to do? Uh, my, I'm, a, I'm a ramen. I'm a ramen millionaire. Could you imagine how that goes down? Like a guy comes in with a, a black trench coat. He's opening it up. And he's like, "What do you want? Whatever you want, I got. I got the chicken <laughs> shrimp. You want I the got, chicken? You want the mushroom? Uh-huh. You want the shrimp? You want the steak? You want? Yep. Half off. That's right. <laughs> Get a deal. <laughs> oh, I guess it is an appropriate time for a college student. So that you can just park that sucker right in college yeah, campus. Just and go, go yeah, for it. absolutely. Um, my be, ne- be my luck. I'd park it right in, in, in like a technical college, not a four-year college where people <laughs> right. don't stay on campus. <laughs> my next story is uh, Eastern Kentucky man wonders after his cousin robs him. Guys, there's a Floyd County man who his cousin um, robbed him. But I've, I've got to play the clip um, of, of this guy. because it. If it, we have any kids, impressionable kids, kids, drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Let's be very clear on that because – you're going to steal some things that are just really odd. Fronting someone suspected of burglarizing your home is never a good idea. Mm-hmm. A Floyd County man found that out for himself after having a gun pointed at him when he did just that. WYMT Sean Allen talked with the victim in that case. Officials say meth is on the rise, and as a result, so is crime. Must have been a bad batch around here because Floyd County went crazy in the last four days. Neighbors notified Mason Tackett that his cousin, Philip Matthew Higgins, was seen carrying items from his house. When I finally got down here to the house to look see what happened, the door was standing wide open. It looked like he was packing up for a yard sale when he came out. And that is when he confronted Higgins. He was lying, throwing his hands and saying stuff like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you know how rogues do, and blaming on everybody else. The confrontation took a dangerous turn once Tackett found items belonging to him. He did pull a gun on me when I got back around the house because I guess he thought I was upset with him. Items not normally the target of a would-be burglar. Who steals a cheese grater? Cheese grater. He's got the works, Lysol. He stole an empty bottle of spray. <laughs> what got me the most was my soap. He stole my soap. <laughs> Who steals soap? Philip Higgins is charged with receiving stolen property and being a convicted felon with a firearm. In uh, Turkey Creek, Sean Allen, WYMT Mountain News. Notice it was in Turkey Creek. Tackett plans to file mm. additional charges against Hagen. Sure he does. Good gracious. He steals his soap. But a cheese grater. Like, how much does a cheese grater bring on the black market or the pawn shop? He's know? probably taking it to the ramen guy and seeing yeah, if he can get a deal. Yeah, it's true. Oh, my gosh. I'll trade you up for a flat, a flat of ramen noodles for this cheese grater and some soap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, there is one thing that I did want to bring up. There, um, we I like to spotlight some heroes. So there was a hero that happened uh, this week, and it—, it is brought to us by again um, Fox News, and it's from uh, Gutfeld. You know the Greg Gutfeld yeah. guy that's on there. He's going to do a little uh, uh, 
thing on it, but um, I, I do think it's important to highlight some heroes. So I did want to go ahead and do this. In the- An amazing thing took place Wednesday, but I bet you didn't hear much about it. A school resource officer in Illinois stopped a 19-year-old gunman at a high school, saving countless lives. When the suspect started shooting near the school gym, the officer confronted him, chased him, shot him. I could not be more proud of the police officer and the way he responded to the situation. With shots ringing out through the hallways of the school, he charged toward the suspect and confronted him head on. Because of his heroic actions, countless lives were saved. We are forever indebted to him for his service and his bravery. So the obvious question is, why isn't this? So uh, Gutfeld goes and, and talks a little bit more about like why it's not in the media and how it doesn't support the narrative that's going on and things. But I do want to say a shout out to Mark Dallas, um, who who took care of that. that guy. Yeah, and obviously, in, in being in the light of some past school uh, school shootings, pre, uh, previous school year where cops uh, were told to stand down or didn't intervene mm-hmm. or didn't jump in. Uh, depending upon their own discretion or on their own department's rules. So, yeah, definitely a shout-out for this guy. This guy's definitely a hero, and that's, that's what all the good guys are about. Yep. Um, and one last thing I did get uh, – I do want to say that I, I think I'm getting a profit star. There was a story that came out from the Cincinnati um, – says Cincinnati.com. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, Kroger is about to ban plastic checkout bags by 2025. They're going to either recyclable ones um, or um, – I think that's about it. They're going to charge a dollar each for their recycled or the reusable bags, I should say. But they are getting rid of the plastic bags. So we're getting rid of plastic straws and now plastic bags. I said in a, a couple of episodes ago that I, I think it's stupid that we have plastic bags. But anyway, so profit star for me. Yeah, I think I think I think those will probably. Yeah, what's wrong with paper bags? That that's what I don't get. I, you know, I I be honest with you. I, my first job was a was a, a grocery bagger when mm-hmm. I was fourteen back in I think nineteen ninety one, and that's when they started transitioning from paper to plastic. Mm-hmm. Well, at least in my area, it could have been previous <laughs> before that because you know a small country town we were kind of backwards sure. anyway. But but um, it never made sense to me then, and you know even then because because I think um, if I'm not mistaken on the like our local trash recycling bins it says mm-hmm. do not put shopping bags in yeah. it's non-recyclable. Yeah, they're non you have to take them either directly to, to which they probably just throw them away like you said. Somebody <laughs> did make a comment though um, about on that episode that plastic or paper bags bring in cockroaches. Well, not if you throw them directly into the recycling <laughs> bin. I thought that was a little bit of a stretch, but I mean at I mean, the end of we the day, yeah, we we take our recycling out at night. At yeah. night, I mean, even though I drive uh, drive a big diesel truck, and you know, I, there's things I don't do to help the environment. At least we do <laughs> we do recycle though. So yeah, um, but yeah, you know, actually, I I kind of applaud this. I mean, I'm not one of these people that jumps on every notion that mm-hmm. you know all the all the. Greenpeace. They, I mean, I'm just not one of these environmentalist guys, right? But, uh, but you know, when a company makes a stance like that, like yeah. Aldi, Aldi's been successful, yeah, and they charge, I think, a nickel a bag. If you want a bag, you got to pay for it. I don't even think they have bags, do they? They do. They do. do. They? But they, they charge. I think. I think it's a nickel or ten cent a bag. Hmm. You know, so because my wife always like gets the extra like uh, cardboard boxes that sure. they have there and uses that. Sure. So. I mean, they hmm. they allow that because hmm. I know, know that. Yeah. So you know, it's a, that's a company choice. So if people get mad about it. Go mm-hmm. shop somewhere else, but I, yeah, I kind of dig that. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, uh, the PETA people are happy. Animals are freed from the animal cracker box. I don't know if you saw this, but um, the Nabisco 
um, animal Barnum's animal crackers. They were uh, the box traditionally had these animals in cages, mm-hmm. like a like a circus. But now that we've removed the bars Cage. and yeah. the cages, and now they're just wandering Roman around aimless. Congratulations, morons! We're still eating animal crackers. <laughs> Can I just say that we must live in a glorious time mm. in which that's the only thing that you have to worry about? Yeah, you know. Uh, Cartoon animals on a box <laughs> being in a cage. That's what you're worried about. I think it. I think it's hilarious. I think, I think we're almost a parody of ourselves now in this country. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I mean, Y'all. there's an international grocery store I go to, mm-hmm. and uh, they have the aisles divided up into countries and regions. Mm. Like they'll have a okay. China, China, you know, a product strictly for mm. China, uh, Korean products, uh, products from Nigeria. I mean, they, okay. have, they have product. I mean, store, yeah, this store's huge. That's a nice store. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I, I mean, I, I go there all the time to buy stuff. Mm. Anyway, anyway, they have a Jamaican aisle. And they have this. You're uh, making me hungry. That's right. <laughs> but um, they have products from Jamaica, obviously, mm-hmm. and you know, from curry to you know, whatever. And they have a product there that's uh, a product that was probably produced in America during the 40s and 50s. Mm. Um, it has a, a, a picture of a white kid on this product that looks like it's from the 40s and 50s. Okay. I wonder how many people in Jamaica, which is primarily. <laughs> Ninety nine point nine percent black. I wonder how many people are protesting to have that product changed. Y'all, it's. It, I think they're worried about other things. It's a cartoon on a box at the end of yeah, the day, and they're still animals, and right. you're eating them. You're, yeah, y'all. I just it it, y'all, it 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 makes me laugh that we have nothing better. We have nothing do. better to do. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of the PETA writing letters, are actually making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless crowd in there their community. Go. They're protesting to get Nabisco to take the, 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 the cages off the animal crackers. Y'all. Besides, you know what, Nabisco? Your crackers suck. I like the ones yep. that are iced. Oh, yeah. Those iced I, animal crackers. Ones they used to the sprinkles? Give us, well, yeah, that or the ones Ooh, that just they had a pink icing with the, mm-hmm. the white outline. Yes. They used to give us in like Sunday school. Love I'd rather it. have those than your crappy old animal mm. crackers anyway. Yeah. I think I think that is just a case of where we've gone a little bit too far. <laughs> where Slightly. we're worried about that. Slightly. Your life must be so good that that's all you have to complain about. I bet you feel I bet you feel like you just accomplished mm-hmm. something massive. I mean, you need to thank God that that's the only thing you're worried about right now. You know, I go back to my Jamaican people. Yeah, <laughs> there's people out there. Nothing. You know, worrying about their what they're going to do tomorrow. You know, for yeah. their, for, their, for their job or to earn money for their family. Yeah. They're yep. not protesting about that. Come on, it's yep. so, so stupid. We're we're almost we're almost a comedy of, of errors. Yeah, you know, we we need to have a comedy show just for America <laughs> that highlights stuff like this. The things we get riled up about. Uh, um, all right, so we're gonna uh, go to a celebrity game. It's gonna yep. be called Celebrity Baby Name. Or it ain't. Actually, we'll have our pastor and friend, Justin Wallace. Oh, that's join. right. He's going to be joining yeah, here shortly. He'll be walking here shortly. And then, um, but so we're going to play the game. We're going to call some random people on our phone, see how they win, or see how they do, and see if they win. Um, dial a friend. Dial a friend. Phone a friend. All right, so we'll be back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. When we come back, again, celebrity baby name, or it ain't, and our good friend, Steve Dockerty, experiences and honesty the author of that book so we'll be right back you're listening to the southern fried philosophy podcast
So this game is called Celebrity Baby Name or It Ain't. So I'm going to give you a list of celebrity baby names, and you tell me if it is or if it ain't. That's a fake out. Mm -hmm. I hate those. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up? Hey, we're gonna play a game with you. You're on the uh, you're on the podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna give you a list of celebrity baby names, and you tell me if it is or if it ain't. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. Birdie. 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 Mm, no. You're wrong. Uh, chief. <laughs> chief. Uh, yes. That is incorrect. <laughs> You're over <for> 2. <laughs> blue okay. Blue Ivy. You you've got to know this one. Blue Ivy. Yes. Okay, you are correct. What about Coco? Yes. You are correct. All right, this is for the win. Bandana. Mm. No way. Yes. Oh, oh, I no, told sir. you, Jack. No, sir. <laughs> that is not correct. That would be a pretty awesome okay. name, though. Well, thank you for playing. All right. Thanks, Jack. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. So here we go. Uh, denim, baby name, or it ain't? It is a baby name. You are correct. Woohoo! Uh,. Cosimo. <laughs> that is not a baby name. Mm, that is incorrect. Oh, oh really? Marissa Rabinsky and Beck. That's their baby. Beck? Beck, yeah. Good figure. All right. What about, here's the next one, Tote. <laughs> not a baby name. You are correct. That is not. What about Moroccan? Oh, that's a baby name. You are correct. Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon. Oh, nice. So you won. The last one is Window. Baby name or it ain't? Name. That is not. Uh, but you did win, so congratulations. Two for three. Good job. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Slow clap. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You come pick them up. Moroccan. When the Moroccan is a knocking. <laughs> Who else do we want to call? I'll call Johnny Hester. Yo. Johnny Hester. What's up? You're on. You're on the Southern Fried Philosophy podcast. Not trying to put you on the What's spot or anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play a game, okay? All right, let's do it. It's called Celebrity Baby Name or It Ain't. All right? So, so do you have Kylie there with you? I don't. Oh, I'm going no. solo here. All right, so they're going solo. Okay, so the first one is? Cricket. 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 Celebrity Baby Name or It Ain't. That is a celebrity baby name. That is correct. That is woohoo! Good job. All right. Here, out there. Here's the next one. Temple. 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 You saying it like it's a spelling bee. <laughs> Temple. T E. Use that in the form of the, get the country of origin, please. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say it ain't. You are correct. Well, it good is not. Man. Two for two. All you're, right. Like you're batting in softball right now. Attaboy. All right. Here's here's the third one. This this uh, hopefully this will will stump him. Bronx with an X. Bronx like in New York. Yep. Bronx with an Bronx. X. Is that Derek Jeter's baby? <laughs> one of them. Um, 
I'm going to say... I'm going to say it is. It oh, is he won. He went over or three for three. Three for three. Woohoo! That's awesome, man. Nailed it. Great job, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Bye. All right, so we're going we're gonna to do the last one for old Padre. Justin, here we go. <clears throat> here comes the first pitch. Coming in hot. Pippin. 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 Is that Michael Jordan's baby? Yes, it is. No. Oh, you stop. Right. All right. Dune. D O O N E. You could also maybe say do one. <laughs> Dune. It's got to be. Yes. It is. You're correct. Who is that? Amanda Beard and Sasha Brown. Man, where do you come up with these things? You know, I do what I can. Uh, here comes the third pitch. You're one for one. Dream. Oh, that's got to be. It's got to be. Yes. Boom. Got it. Is that the Hodges? Uh, fourth baby? <laughs> Rob Kardashian and, and China. Like you say, Kardashian. You Kardashian. There you go. Dream Kardashian. So you're two two and one. Here comes the next one. Everest. No, no. Not yet. Oh, strike. Oh, man. George Lucas. That's Real, George Lucas' really? kid. Two for two. Wow. And last one coming out. Energy. <laughs> Energy. <laughs> No way. You are correct. Thank you. you. Are. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's been Celebrity Baby Name or It Ain't. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will have Steve Doherty, who wrote a book called Experiments in Honesty. He's a pastor at Cross Point. And we're anxious to have him on next. That's right. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Southern Pride Philosophy Podcast. Hey guys, it's me, Big Ain. Summer is made for grilling and chilling, and you too can be the baddest mother smoker on the block using our favorite award-winning smoking sauce. Bad Mother Smokers is perfect match for that favorite meat, veggies, or even that secret ingredient in a pot of chili. Check out badmothersmokers.com to place your order, and if you want to be a barbecue pit master like Mojo, enter the promo code MOJO for 10% off your order. Visit badmothersmokers.com or the sponsor section of our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com. I think very deeply. I think, I think, I think very deeply. In about four Hey, welcome back to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Today on the phone line, we have Steve Doherty. Steve is a uh, author, a thinker, philosopher, speaker, poet, storyteller, uh, what what else? All of the things. All of the things. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, he's ri- he's ri- uh, written a recent book called Experiments in Honesty, uh, Meditations on Love, Fear, and the Honest uh, to God Naked Truth. And uh, we have him on the line today. Uh, he is a pastor over at uh, Cross Point Church in Cary, North Carolina, which if you're not from America or on the East Coast or North Carolina. America's. Carrie is in the triangle, what we call it, is near Raleigh, North Carolina. So he's kind of in the middle of the state. But anyway, he's he's a speaker, pastor, and we're so pleased to have him on the line today. All right, so Steve, uh, we uh, uh, our pastor and friend Justin uh, gave us a copy, or told us to buy a copy That's of your book. That's what it was. He told us to buy it. <laughs> uh, experts in Honesty from Amazon. That's Well, that's... 
I'm sure you can buy the copy somewhere in a store. But anyway, so we buy this. We buy this book and have been reading it. I, I, I will admit I have not made it all the way through, but um, – I've, I've looked at the cover. As we know of, of how well I read, well, I've read the cover. Yeah, well, that's that's big in our JT. And uh, he challenged me to read a book, and I read it like in two weeks, and he I think he just finished it six months later. So uh, Yeah, you beat me by wow. six months. But anyway, as, as someone who wants to write a book, um, and I've been trying for – I've, I've kind of had some writer's block for two years now, but as a uh, as someone who's kind of laid the format to to write a book, what inspired you to come up with this idea and to actually put it to you know pen to paper, so to say? Uh, well, I, uh, I I do a lot of writing, uh, and I'm a I'm a teaching pastor at my church, and uh, over the years I've found that I've I've put together some some stuff in different formats and blogged. And, uh, this book, uh, experiments on honesty was, uh, originally, uh, well, uh, half of it or more was in a different form. Uh, and I, cause I wrote a series of meditations for my own church. And then I, I just kind of built on that, uh, and expanded. And before I knew it, I, I felt like, Hey, I, I think I've got like a whole manuscript here. And uh, so, yeah, then I, I, uh, I put it in an order that I liked and sat with it for a little bit, took out the stuff I didn't like after a while, and uh, then just kind of kind of messed with it for a while. Like that, that never-ending cycle of how, how could I get it perfect? How could I make it suit my own preferences, which nothing ever does. So right. then uh, I had, a, I had a, a literary agent take a look at it, loved it, shopped it around, so – uh, yeah, it was just a, just a long process of sticking with it, making sure that I was uh, writing something I, that I, I thought would be helpful. And pretty soon it had, uh, it had a cover on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, before I kind of get started with kind of just a breakdown of the book, um, obviously different books will have different subjects, different titles. Um, this one kind of especially chapter one and two, uh, really just to kind of hit home to me. So kind of give us some of your background with the church. I mean, obviously, I don't think your faith is something new, uh, something that has just come on, because usually you don't have brilliant writers who just all of a sudden out of the blue write stuff. So kind of give us a little context as far as your faith and um, your history. Sure. Uh, I uh, Well, I, so I've been a pastor for most of my overt Christian faith. So, um, but I mean, I, I was, I was born in this Christian soup in the, in the, in part of the Bible belt, you know, in Ohio. So I, I it's, it, there's no super clear, uh, lines and all of that, but, um, it went from sort of, um, uh, sort of a Christian apathy to uh, mm. an agnosticism to a Pharisee right there in my early 20s where you know my 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 seeking for uh a firmer identity and trying to figure out what my power was and what my significance was going to be all of that kind of coincided with me taking my faith really seriously um that's how i would have put it then uh and then not right in that same time frame getting to work at a church uh, I was a youth and young adult guy and I, I was earnest and did my best I was surrounded with some great people but I, I think I was uh, probably in the camp of people who uh, thrived on rigidity 
and absolutism and biblicism and literalism and uh you know there's a lot of different ways of coming into it but i just uh i, I got called rigid by a, a good friend one day and uh that, that even when i was right i was wrong just uh, just the just the wrong, the wrong kind of right and so a lot of things began to shift and i began to realize um i have a friend she she had this great quote she said um, the longer i'm in the faith the more i see it's uh that uh the things of christ aren't black and white they're skin colored Mm. And uh, that really stuck with me. Like, this is about actual people. And uh, if I'm going to be a pastor, and if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, and if I'm going to be of a kind of faith that I think might have something to do with human thriving, um, if God is for anything, he would be for his creation thriving, Mm. I I, I suppose. Then I'm going to have to stop treating this thing constitutionally and like a like a dictionary you throw at people and maybe, uh, maybe take a, take care of people. So, so birthed in all that, um, I, you know, I've been a pastor for 18 years or so and, uh, for hopefully more than half of it, I've realized, um, a little better that my calling wasn't to be right, but it was just to be present, to be honest. I feel like I go through all four of those stages before noon, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I feel that as well. You feel that? Yeah, I feel that. That's before, <laughs> yeah, that's before the coffee kicks in. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I get up, yeah. use the restroom, and then that. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, paraphrase that paraphrase from you that I, about God is not just black and white, but God is skin color, because, hmm. man, that speaks volumes in today's culture and society shift. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And also, has as we live out our faith, as we uh, we encounter people in our daily walk, I think mm-hmm. that speaks God, enormous mm-hmm. enormous volumes. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I I want to ask you, Steve. This this is Justin. I want to ask you about just chapter one. We don't have time to go through every chapter, so sure I think do. chapter one. Do we? <laughs> we could be here it's for a days. Long podcast. Um, have you not heard of Dan Carlin's hardcore history? That's like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I am um, chapter one probably I, I think probably sums up my deconstruction reconstruction like what I've been going through for the first 38 years of my life um, moving from being terrified of God thinking that he's just in around the next corner ready to beat me over the head um, to believing that he can actually he actually enjoys me takes great pleasure in me so on the last page of the first chapter you say what if being afraid of God is as wrong as telling children to get away from Jesus? And then you go on and say, what if God doesn't want us afraid, but we've so stubbornly assumed human beings can only do right if kept under threat that we can't imagine another way. Um, and then you say, I know, I know there doesn't seem to be much left of our faith. If fear of divine disappointment and consequences are extracted, we seem to live in a culture church culture, um, American culture driven by fear, Mm -hmm. uh, motivated by fear. Um, when I read, I'm going to be honest, when I read that first chapter, it almost feels heretical. (laughs) Um, because it, uh, I just don't, I, it's hard for me to imagine another way. Um, you, you point out the proverb about, um, you know, that fear is the beginning of wisdom. Um, can you just talk to me a little bit about that? And I, I don't think I'm alone um, in thinking that the point of faith is to fear God, um, to shake and, you know, n- my knees knocking <laughs> in the presence of God, almost thinking that heaven is going to be that 
that picture of my knees knocking right. before the throne. Can you can you just speak into that a little bit? Yeah, I uh, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, man, I don't I don't even know where to start. I mean, this is this is my wheelhouse because you really it, the the your heresy comment is uh, is well taken, and I don't disagree with you. Um, I heard somebody say once that heresy is orthodoxy um, that. Uh, or no, orthodoxy is the heresy that lasted. Um, the the real sense of hey, you're playing with fire here is why I named that chapter the way that I did: too afraid of God to not be afraid of God. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. But I think, put simply, the idea that the one running all things um, is responsible for all things, who knows all things. Mm-hmm has to keep a uh, ha- has to keep us under threat to behave would be mostly interested in our behavior hmm. um, and that's that's useful in the military that's useful in a third grade classroom that's useful to get production and uh, in, in some sort of facility manufacturing facility uh, that that's the government yeah there's I mean there's there's lots of ways that you can threaten people into performance, but yeah, you know, I think often um, uh, I think I think it was Peter in the Book of Acts he refers to God as the heart knower. I, my my Greek is terrible, but it's like cardionostase or something like that. He refers to I think the, the English translates the one who knows our hearts, but it's one word, the heart knower. And I just I think good parents are interested in their their children's interior more than just how they behave. So. So the thing that I've noticed in counseling and in raising kids and in observing people, and I think you've observed the same thing, if, if you'll think about it, is mm. that you can scare people into acting any way that you want to. Mm. You can put a gun to somebody's head and make them say things they don't mean. You can make, you know, you can shoot at people's feet and make them dance. You can do all kinds of things with fear. But uh, that's not that's not actually dealing with the person. Mm-hmm. That's not actually dealing with the heart. Mm-hmm. So, so what if God is better than a boss? What if God is better than a drill sergeant? What if God is better than Zeus and is gentle because he can see right through our performance and isn't threatened by it and on and on and on. Yeah. That, that is probably counter. So, so, so threateningly counter to what a lot of us grew up with that that's why I ended that chapter that way. It's, it's a little condescending of me. I know but to say, I know, I know there doesn't seem to be much left of our faith, our faith if we take fear out. Uh, but that's the space I think, Justin, you're talking about when you deconstruct, what if, what if this thing doesn't run on fear and runs on love? Is that too flaky to work? And I, mm-hmm. I think no. You know, it's interesting. I, I've been having some conversations with some friends about this and it seems like love is too flaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are well, Christian. When you go into these the are DMV, Christian friends. You can buy, a, you can buy a, a frame for your license plate that says, "I love my dog, I love tacos, and I love my wife." <laughs> and, and and so, or I I love Duke, I love UNC, whatever. It, we just mm-hmm. throw this word around so much that it is flaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've I've been experiencing that a lot with Christians. Um, this idea that that love isn't enough, and so there have to be a list of, of rules. There have to be, there has to be some fear. There has to be something that motivates us because love can't possibly do that. 
And, um, and it just, I think it, it's, it's frustrating, you know, it's, it's frustrating cause it's, I feel like it's written on every page. Um, I feel like it's part of the incarnation. It's, well, you know, I think, but I think also that has, that speaks to our relationship problems that we may have. Mm-hmm. Each yeah. person is different yeah. because your concept of, of love, you know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, the, the bridegroom, um, the groom, the bridegroom, the father, mother, these, these, these systems that, a lot of us may have come and come from a broken system. Mm. You know, we may have had that. We may have been that bad spouse. So yeah. how can we relate love? Or we may have had a bad parental experience. How can we relate love? Mm. So love is just, could be a foreign concept to a lot of people. I just finished reading a book by Nabil, uh, Nabil Qureshi, who is a. Um, uh, you can't plug another <laughs> book here. Come no, on. I think it hammers home. I think it hammers home this this point though is that um, Nabil was a. Uh, uh, a pastor for uh, and divinity uh, professor divinity from Duke, and uh, he converted from Islam to Christianity, and he talked about the differences between the two religions and the the two religion uh, the difference between Islam and, and Christianity, besides a few other factors, is that you know Islam views God this as this distant, far away uh, deity behind a curtain mm. that you can never please this uh, this angry being that you know. Do, do, Depend upon what you do here on earth. And then Christianity is this intimate one-on-one connection with your Savior, your this God who created you for His pleasure to, to worship Him and to, to serve out His purpose. So um, that, that relationship is kind of hard to fathom. We have to put a lot of faith to, to live out that relationship. Yeah. And to kind of go back to what you were saying about the rules, I mean, it's it's in fear. From from my perspective, it's easier to follow the rules and and not ask God for any more of me. You know, yeah. like God, if you're just okay with me obeying these rules, I you don't have to have my heart and you don't have to have everything else, right? And I think that's a, a good point for for American Christianity. You can have so much up until this point, God, and then everything else is mine. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I want to ask a question about just the title of the book, because um, honesty, vulnerability, transparency are all kind of um, hot topics, hot button mm-hmm. topics right now. They're right. they're they're kind of cool things, but um, you know, in, in our church, we're trying to to encourage vulnerability, encourage transparency, but there's a lot of risk involved. Um, can you give us just a maybe a um, a look into why you chose this idea of honesty and what you've seen, what you've experienced in relationships that's so powerful about, you know, us being us being honest with where we are and, and what's going on and, and what we're believing and how we're experiencing God. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I just I spoke to a woman today who uh, is trying to explain to her husband why she wants him to be her ex-husband, because there has been some abuse and there's distrust and there's really nothing left inside her that wants to be around him. Um, and it, so it's it's tricky. There are children involved. You can imagine it's got a lot of layers. Sure. She said, I don't want him to get the wrong idea when I say the lines of communication need to be closed for my own safety, but they also need to be open because we are co-parenting and I don't want him to get the wrong idea. So we talked about that a little bit. She was trying to uh, get me to help her communicate well so he didn't get the wrong idea. 
she said, for instance, he said, do you want to go out on a date? Because he's really, he's really big on, I think we can make this work. Do you want to go out on a date? And she said, I told him, how am I supposed to have time to go out on a date? Um, I'm, I'm, I live in my apartment. You live in yours. Uh, I don't have time to do that. And so I'm sharing this long story with you because, uh, she was blaming her calendar and she didn't even realize that she was making an appeal to a third thing, the, the full calendar, so that she didn't have to stand up and say what she meant. And then asking me, how do I make sure he doesn't get the wrong idea that I'm done? I want to serve these papers. Hmm. And so there's an entire other story playing out. That's a lie. Is she a liar? Uh, I wouldn't call her that. Uh, is she trying to take the path of least resistance so that she doesn't start any more problems, but then is causing other problems? Yes. It was as plain as the nose in her face to me. She couldn't see it until I pointed out. I walk away from that meeting thinking, I wonder how many times I, I say mm. I'm not, a, I'm not available when really I'm too scared to tell you. I just, I don't like being around you. Mm. <laughs> you actually- I, I wonder how many times I tell my kids daddy's busy when really what it is, is my brain's fried and I, I love me only right now. Mm. And so the, the people of truth, I don't think are people who tell less lies. I wish I had statistics to say I was wrong about that, but I, I don't think that we're people who tell less lies. What if we're people so tuned into what we actually think, feel, believe that it was like a city on a hill? Like, I want to live there. You can say what you mean to yourself and to others, and it doesn't cost you inclusion. Uh, we've never seen that. We've never seen that. You can, you can have a whole other narrative going on in your head, and it is such a liability to your inclusion in your church, your family, your school, your job that you even hide it from yourself. Mm. This is where, where I get into my, my Jungian uh, psychology. Carl Jung was really big on this, having a shadow persona that is even unknown to the self, because if I know it, then I would have to face it. Mm. Um, am I a liar because of all that? Well, that's, it's way more complicated than that. So I talk about experimenting in honesty. Um, I, I just, I've enjoyed that phrase for, for years because I think the invitation is to what would it, what would it look like to tinker with the truth, which in the, from the Greek perspective doesn't mean something you say. It's truth in the Greek, aletheia, means to uncover. So what would it look like to tinker with what's actually underneath all this, where God is doing business? God already sees all this, where you don't trick, deceive, or, or hide anything from God. What would it look like to live that way for a while? And it will feel like rebirth. It's it's a very, very jarring, disruptive way of, of relating to one another. Hmm. So through the process of this book, how, how has it changed you specifically? <sighs> well, there's a lot of ways of answering that. It's taught me a lot about writing. Um, <laughs> there you go. To, to, to your listeners who aspire to have a book published, I will warn you, uh, writing books is very, has very little to do with writing. Uh, it's, uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been dealing with a lot of that. How do you, how do you, how do you remain humble and self-promote every day? I don't, I don't have that down yet. Uh, just throw out the humble and just promote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably what my next book is going to be about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have, um, I have been changed, I think, in many respects in, in recognizing that my job as a pastor 
um, could is often understood. We'll say so. The job of a pastor or a faith leader, a minister, whatever, is to say things that are encouraging and inspiring and convicting and all that stuff. You you know whether you speak it or write it, um, that's that's been understood for years. That that that's what that's what pastors do. I think putting myself out there more as a lead learner, uh, as as more than a teacher. To to even self deprecate and tell the kinds of stories that I'm telling, um, I think that has more of a okay now now I can relate now I'm not just inspired to tweet what you said now I'm going to carry I, you wouldn't believe I don't know if you've gotten this far in it or not you wouldn't believe how many times people have told me that my story about my wife and and setting the temperature in the van has changed the way they think about how they love their kids. Um, so I won't give a spoiler, <laughs> right. uh, but, but it's just that's that I tell a story of me just really being a schmuck and, and my wife just being awesome kind of naturally <laughs> and how I think this is where God is taking us. And hmm. that self-deprecating rather than being an authority, I'm just being an authority of my own experience. It's kind of reinforced to me. I'm at my best when I'm uh, sorry, sorry for the visuals, but if I just kind of stand pants around my ankles and say, this is this is what's true. And uh, I, I do my best uh, helpfulness when I'm just that raw and honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's, that's been an encouragement to me. That's really good. Nice. Well, there's a quote actually in your book from Chris, was it Chris Jamie. It says, uh, when, a man mm-hmm. is, when a man is penalized for honesty, he learns to lie. I, you know, yep. I, I read that line and I had to sit there and think about my past indiscretions and, and pain that I've caused and, the lies that I told myself a reason why I was having to do this or the life I was leading. Boy, I tell you what, that, that was a, that, that, I hate you for the visual, but that, that was a mm. kick in the crotch. Yeah. We're painting some but, pictures tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We're like Bob Ross, but on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy trees everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would say you just made one of the best cases for confession that I've heard in a while. Hmm. Um, not as a a lever to get people to cry uncle under the weight of authority of their spiritual leader, mm-hmm. but for the relief to say, if I don't say this, it's going to fester in my heart, and I'm going to lie more. I'm going to hide more. And that's what that's how the Bible starts. Not as people uh, tearing everything down and listening to Slayer. It's it's the the first effects of sin are psychological. They cover what has already been seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that, you know, I write that early in the book as well. Uh, I think that the Adam and Eve story isn't just, are you willing to believe that there were two human beings without belly buttons 6,000 years ago? That's fine <laughs> if you do. I, I think it's the story of the proto-humans realizing uh, that the best way to pretend like you don't have shame is to sham mm-hmm. and to cover that up from each other <laughs> and from God. Mm-hmm. Well, that's hell. You just yeah. described hell. I think it was Terry Terry Wilson. I think it is. He's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's the guy that's you know New Year's Eve. He does yeah. the, like the you know, uh, Terry, Terry Crew. Terry Crew. Yeah. And uh, he he makes it very public that he, he was dealing with porn and had that uh-huh. that you know stronghold over him. Mm-hmm. And he said that the best day of his life was when he told his wife that he had that issue, yeah. and he said everything at that point. 
the, the sin has been revealed, and I, I, I found freedom like I never thought I would. That's good. So, yeah. Well, usually when I break honesty like that, I tell my wife, I'm like, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant by another man's <laughs> baby. And then I'll be like, no, nah, just kidding, and then break into the subject that I want. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it it lessens lesson. the blow. Yeah. I am... Um, Wanna... How much is this car? $80,000. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Right. It's only $26,000. <laughs> oh, that's not a lot. Exactly. Um, in uh, Chapter 10, you talk about compassion. Uh, you say this word compassionate in the he- original Hebrew is the root word for mother's womb. And then at the end of the chapter, you say being made in the image of compassion is for us an invitation to learn to love people because they exist, mm. Period. Will you please enlighten us and explain how in the world that is possible in 2018 when it seems like our very purpose from the moment our eyelids open every morning is to tear people apart? How do we, how do we be compassionate when things have been so divided and they're torn apart and we disagree on everything and it feels like, our very foundation, our identity is being attacked all the time. Other people's value is being attacked. Um, and I would imagine that you're not just talking about having compassion for those that we agree with or that look like us or think like us or believe like us, but actually our enemies, those that we disagree with, those that we, that aren't on the same, you know, in the same boat as us. Um, how, how do we do that? Uh, what's that look like? What does it mean? Um, when you're tired of only loving those who are like you, that I think that's the next door. I think that a lot of us are realizing we tried to be really angry to prove how righteous we were, we are. We we've hated all the right things on Twitter. We've yelled at all the right family members at Thanksgiving because of their whatever. I'll just leave it there because of their whatever. Um, when you are tired of that and you seek a better way. I mean, you could, I guess you could be tired of it and recoil and hide for a while. That's a lot of people are doing that too. But when you're tired of that and you're seeking a better way, I don't think that then you'll step into um, a world where compassion means this is how I'm now agreeable or how I don't care or any of those things. I think compassion is a type, it's a kind of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, just as simple and not necessarily that you even framed it that way, Justin, but compassion isn't as simple simple as you know another word for love it's a kind of wisdom that says you and i may never agree and disagreeing and being enemies by the way is different as a different thing mm-hmm. i I, mar- I married somebody that i disagree with a lot mm. um um mm, the, that's huge there's a it's really important to recognize that the reason we were commanded to love is because we'll disagree. You don't have to be commanded to love people that you agree with. Those are your people. That's homogeneity. It feels right. It's easy. You go grab a beer together. You sit together. You laugh together. You like the same team. You, it doesn't take any effort. And Jesus said, even the tax collectors do that. Yeah. The, the reason we're commanded to love is because we will not agree. Um, the, the, the 12 apostles at the table did not agree. You've got Matthew, the tax collector. Where is he collecting taxes from? His brothers 
or where are they getting the money to pay taxes? They're fishing overfished lakes and they live under the heel of an oppressive empire. I think think about what it was like to be um, think about what it was like to be Matthew sitting at the same table and, and Peter glaring at you. I can't believe you take taxes from us. But the bread and the cup could keep them at the same table, and they never agreed. And, but they were able to find the, a common center in Christ. And that's our, that's our task, I think, not to agree and not to maybe even wait till we feel differently. Cause there's, I have people in my life that annoy me and I, I can, I can go all the way to disgust. Like your views disgust me, <laughs> but I have to find a way forward because that's what I would want you to do for me if I disgusted you. Mm. And that's the wise work of compassion. And we're not very good at it. We're not, a, we're not a wise culture. I'll 100% agree with that. Well, I think also these are attributes that we also must honor. We must honor within ourselves, too, because we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be compassionate with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we have yeah. to love ourselves. We have to be inter- you know, introspective before we can actually you know, gift those, you know, those graces out. I mean, because I, mm-hmm. I, I cannot understand compassion unless I can be compassionate for myself and mm-hmm. the things that I've done. You know, you know I hope, hope I'm making sense there, so— yeah, there have been there have been times in my life where I'm disgusted with myself. Mm. You know, I'm frustrated with myself. I'm I'm an enemy of my own self. Mm. And to learn how to to believe that God gives me shows me compassion is a compassionate God, but also that I can be compassionate towards myself mm-hmm. is really the only way forward for us to then begin to show compassion to those that Right, you know, are outside of ourselves. So, well, not yeah. not to try to blow smoke up Steve's rear end, but or paint, <laughs> to paint a visual picture. But uh, also in his book, he writes the Hebrew word for Satan means accuser, mm-hmm. and a lot of times mm-hmm. we we are our own Satan. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So, yep, totally. I think that's I th- well for myself. That 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 was the biggest growing moment of my adult life was when I realized that I was my own Satan. And to, mm. to forgive myself and to, to quit being my accuser and to because Christ already forgiven me. Yeah. I couldn't move forward unless I just said, you know what? Get behind me, Satan, myself, <laughs> and move forward. That's yeah. good. So. Mm. Hey, hey, I think there's a missing Depeche Mode song in there somewhere. Your own personal, personal Jesus. Satan. <laughs> yeah. Well, S- Steve, can you tell us where we can find you and um, online and where we can people can follow you? And, Interact, buy your book. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so... Wherever fine books are sold, so if I think most people buy books online now, so you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, and Christian Book carries it. There's a couple of other outlets, but those are the big ones. Um, so you can easily get it there. And um, I'll say this too, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but um, if you like the book and you give it a review uh, as as uh, the highest star review your conscience will allow, that helps the book in those magical. Amazon algorithms, it helps it get out there in front of other people. So, you know, buy it and then let people know what you what you loved about it. And and if you didn't like it, then I would just uh, have you email me directly and don't tell anybody else. Um, um, you can also, you, you know, buy, uh, buy it. I, I'm, I'm real big about if you can uh, request it at a local bookstore or something like that. I sure. like to help out the, the local bookstores. That's just a quaint romantic thing that we gotta we gotta help out those little local bookstores as much as we can. They're still around. And, yeah. And uh, so, but that's oftentimes like you, you have to request it, and then they'll snag two of them from the directly from the publisher. Cool. You can find me at stevedockerty.net. Um, Dockerty is D A U G H E R T Y, and 
Uh, I'm on Twitter as stepdoc. The O and doc is a zero. So S-T-E-P-D-0-C. And then I'm on, I'm on Facebook, author Steve Doherty. And those are all ways that I'm, you know, I'm trying to connect. I'm firing up my podcast again. Um, just uh, I love interacting with different people, telling stories of love and funny stories. I just, um, I'm, I'm real big on storytelling. So I'm going to be doing that soon. And um, I don't know if this is, I, I don't want to, suggest any sort of competition with your your fine podcast but, oh you're not no but, we're, yeah. we're, all, we're all in together we're awesome idiots, yeah so it's and, yeah and your your church in Cary is called cross point cross, cross point, point church, church in yeah and yeah. um and we can find you on their podcast as well right and here you talk That's about right. all good things yeah 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 i do uh, i do most of the talking there on sunday morning so yeah we we put our messages on the internet real novel new idea on the interwebs. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, Steve, we played a game earlier called Celebrity Baby Name or It Ain't. Or so, It Ain't? Or It Ain't. Yeah. Right. I got so, it. So I'm going to tell you a name, and then you tell me if it's a celebrity baby or it ain't. Okay. All right, so here we go. You ready? <laughs> I've never been more ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to give you an easy one to start off uh, on. So Apple. Yes, that is a celebrity baby name. That is correct. Um, Trist. <laughs> uh, Trist. That sounds interesting. I will go with. I'll, I'll just. I'll just say it isn't. Okay. Just, all you gotta do is say the name and Kardashian, and if it sounds <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Trist is not a baby name, so so that's good. Punkin. Punkin as a celebrity baby name. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. That sounds right. That is not not correct. It is a good beer, though. But it, it, <laughs> hey, it is a southern slang for a baby, <laughs> or, or your uh, or your old lady. So. All right. Here's well, another. I, good. I can Im- imagine a celebrity putting their baby in a pumpkin seat. So I should get like half a point. There. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll give you half a point. Ding ding. Excellent. How about audio? Oh, audio. That sounds. Uh, that sounds like it is a. Uh, celebrity baby name. You are correct. Woo-hoo! All right. Who, so, who's, whose baby is that? Uh, Sh- Shannon Sosaman. I have no idea who that is, <laughs> but it's a celebrity. So, so celebrities that aren't famous are part yeah. of your game. I, I, I guess so. I pulled it off the interwebs. I'm thinking somebody probably knows who that is. I don't know. All right. All right. And the All last right. one is Wonder. Wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I, I feel like that's. I feel like I just heard that. I'm making this game longer than it needs to be, aren't I? No, it's fine. I'll I'll say uh, yes. That is a celebrity baby name. Ooh, it is not. Man, that I picked yes. That is a good movie though. So maybe your next baby, you can you can name it Wonder. <laughs> you, you're missing Stevie you're, and Wonder. I think that would go really nice. Well, you're mis- you're misconstruing 1980s and early 90s WWF wrestlers. So I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> when I have a kid, I will name it Wonder Pumpkin. So how about that? Wonder Pumpkin. Right. That would be a way of describing my gut. <laughs> Steve, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is great. All right, buddy. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast. You can reach us at the uh, interwebs at southernfryphilosophy.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Southern Fry Philosophy. The Twitter's and Instagram at SFP Radio. I think JT or Biggin's been posting some stuff on there here lately. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Please also go to Google Play, iTunes, or Stitcher. Subscribe. Give us a review. Share your favorite episodes. That's how we move forward in the algorithm of the podcast world. Also, our Patreon link and YouTube at SFP Radio. There you go. And as always, 
Keep looking up.